welcome to Board Game Binge. The place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and today we're chatting with two Vasilises, the team behind Meeple Pug. Meeple Pug is the board game publishing company that has created Age of Inventors, which is currently on Kickstarter. Vasilis and Vasilis, or maybe Vasilis Squared, welcome to the binge. How are you guys doing? Thank you for having us. <laughs> it's great to have you. We were just saying before you went on air, there's actually a couple other members of your team that are also named Vasilis. Uh, how do you guys keep track? I'm, I'm sure when people are calling out your name uh it's like okay who are we referring to is there is there nicknames you guys go by or nicknames nicknames at the beginning we just pointed fingers but then we saw that that's not the best option so we all have nicknames oh nice so what we're gonna do is we're gonna call we're gonna stick it with uh vasilis uh in the white shirt for people who are watching and uh, we're gonna go with vanton for uh the blue shirt if that's uh, if that's cool in today's uh chat just so people know who uh each other are when we're when we're speaking so first and foremost uh, Meeple Pug. I, I love this uh, this game name. The logo is adorable. How did you guys come up with this name? What's the story behind that? Panayotis or Eolus, the, the third guy of our designer group, actually has Pug. And uh, he, of course, uh, suggested it. And we all loved it as an idea. And it, we stuck to that. Oh, it is. It is awesome. It's, it's fun, right? Like anytime you see, like there's so many different companies out there and i get the pleasure of seeing you know different names and different logos and every time you come across one that just kind of stops you in your tracks like this uh mm -hmm. it's a good sign right because it's, it's memorable and it's easier for people to uh to kind of identify with you guys which i think is a, is a good thing H how did you guys meet so I, I think first i'll just say you guys are actually uh in greece right so we're talking uh, on different sides of the planet right now um yeah. how, how did yeah. you guys how did you guys meet like where did you guys uh first connect um, so go ahead man. okay um i had a group uh i did some events where i was playing dnd i was like a mm. semi-professional dm and that's how i met uh, eolus the third guy of the group and after we played dnd for a couple of months he was like you know what i make board games you want to come and make board games with me i said sure why not i was very deep in the hobby uh I had played like hundreds of board games and I, I loved it. We hit it off and uh, we created a couple of board games with him. And then we wanted playtesters for one of our other projects, USS Freedom. Mm. And I remember I, I asked people on Facebook on a certain group, which I don't remember what it was now. And then Vasilis came. And uh, the, he came and he was ex extremely good on what he was pointing out. And since then, he stuck with us, and he's now a designer with us. Oh, that's awesome. Very now, one of you is a, a geophysicist, I believe, right? The other one's a software engineer. So you're a geophysicist. Wow. Yeah. And, and so how did, like, are you still doing that? Or, like, that's obviously your training and your schooling, but have you moved full-time now into board gaming? Or kind of what's it, the setup there? It, yeah, it's been, uh, I think, three years now that I am working as a dedicated game designer wow. I, it's my full it's my full-time job it's it's a struggle but uh since if you have love for the for the industry if you have love for the board games everything is easier everything is nice i do miss my science but um 
board games are better. Board games are what my heart wants. What my heart wants. Um, and what's a geophysicist do? Like, what is like what what was kind of your role before when you were doing that? Uh, before that, I worked very little in. I just finished my studies and then. I worked in marketing, which has nothing to do with geophysics. And then I worked here, but a geophysicist, what he does is he makes sure that a location for a bridge or a building or any other construction is good for, uh, this, for the construction. He makes sure that he lays out mm. the, um, the groundwork is what it has to be for, uh, to avoid anything but any bad incidents. That's pretty much what we do. Yeah, it's pretty important. And then uh, you're, and then Vasellis, you're a software engineer. Now, I am. And what was that? What were you doing as a software engineer? Uh, so I just uh, started. I always liked to uh, play video games when I was young. I, I remember playing Doom Two on a Windows ninety five machine. Great game. And uh, I I was stuck in the computer. I learned how to do some advanced things. My father taught me how to draw graphics and stuff like that. And then when it, it came time to go to university, I said, I'm going to go to study computers, computer science. Uh, I found a job immediately. It was 2013. I went to do an Erasmus in the UK. I then later went to work in Glasgow for three years. And uh, I came back uh, to Greece, still working as a software engineer. It's literally impossible not to find a job if you're a software engineer. So, yeah. I also like it. It, it. it used to be my creative outlet, uh, but now uh, board games have uh, kind of caught uh, my eye and I prefer to be creative doing a game, not just... Uh, yeah. Well, I've, I've talked to a lot of software engineers uh, in this industry and it's actually a pretty common uh, you know, leap, I guess, from software engineering or uh, any kind of game, you know, digital game design into um, board game design. And often when I talk to these people, the way to describe it is once you're doing something all the time, like software engineering, you know, what originally brought you into it was kind of the interest and the fun, but you, you, you need a reprieve from that when it's your day job. Right. And in the, yes. many people have seen kind of board games as more of an analog tactile thing to do where they're away from a computer where they can just kind of be creative, but in a different coming at it from a very different angle. Exactly what you said. Uh, it's a perfect excuse to get to move away from a screen, to be with other people in the same room. And uh, it activates uh, some of the thinking I use when I when I write software. So I like it. And also, I was trying to become a game designer mm. in the video game industry. I made a clone for Asteroids and a simple Tetris uh, yeah. a clone. The amount of work required to make a complete game <laughs> yeah. A video game yep. is immense, and uh, video games uh, are just too hard to get into. So designing a board game gets you to the sweet spot of uh, designing a game without having to do all the extra legwork that video games require. So no, it was nice. That's cool, Vanton. When when you do your uh, game design, I think I've read somewhere that you've done. I think th you've had three three games that you've designed. I guess in, in with other companies and so forth as well. Is that yes. Uh, three that have been published, yeah, that have okay. been on Kickstarter. When did you first? I always find this interesting when I talk to game designers. When you, when did you first create a game, and did it ever see the light of day, or is it in a closet somewhere? The first, um, yeah, 
the first designs I have are, of course, they've never seen the light of day still in the <laughs> closet. Maybe I will use, yeah, yeah. Maybe I will use parts of them yeah. for other games. But the first thing I actually worked on uh, and it got published was Eolis, uh, which was a Kickstarter uh, from Dreamcraft a couple of years ago. Mm. And that was the first game that I actually had to do actual work. And then came uses freedom, which I had to do from uh, from the beginning. When I started with the release, it was already been made. It was already been in a uh, in a I don't know, not final, but it had a, a good chunk of ideas. And then I had to do uses freedom, and then I started from scratch, from zero, doing um, Age of Inventors with Vasilis and uh, Eolus. No, that's cool. And my understanding is uh, in Greece, I mean, I see, I'm starting to see a lot of developers coming out of Greece uh, as of late, like a lot, and uh, which I think is, is great and it's exciting. And, and some of them I've talked to have said that, you know, the actual community itself, though, in Greece is not as massive as a game community as you would have in other countries. And, and most of the creations you guys do is, is for export, right? Like there's not as much domestic. Is that is that fair or are you seeing the opposite? Are you seeing kind of the community grow in, in Greece? There are people who play video games in Greece, uh, board games in Greece, uh, yeah. but definitely it does not compare to uh, how many people are interested in other countries. Uh, okay. So maybe it's uh, analogous. So based on our population, we're a small country. But uh, if you take it as raw numbers, definitely... Greece does not have a big market for board games. Yeah. Now, I noticed Age of Inventors is on um, a Tabletop Simulator, which is great. I think it's awesome so people can try it. Um, how do you guys do most of your playtesting? Is it is it done in person? Or I know with COVID, that's kind of changed everything up as well in terms of people playtesting in a digital format. But how do you bring everybody together in your team to kind of work on your game? We, we are lucky on that. Actually, we're unlucky because we should use uh, Tabletop Simulator more uh, we definitely should. It's easier. It's faster. It will save so much time. But we did most of our playtesting um, in person. Mm. Uh, we we brought people we know and we trust, and then people we don't know but other people trusted. And we actually, while we designed, we playtested a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, so much. Uh, we also had, um, I think some people find it interesting. We had a few playtesters that were like 10, 12 years old because okay. it was one of the goals of the game was to be able to play it with your children if you have or your nephews or whatever. Yeah. And that was a very fun experience. That was, uh, it was a small drop of happiness in the anxiousness of, oh, I need to create this game. I need to make it good. And it was a small drop of happiness of seeing uh, children play. Yeah, for sure. Where, where did the idea come from? Like, how did you guys come up with this? And was it the was it theme first and then mechanics, or was it mechanics and then theme wrapped into it? Like, where did this kind of all start? Definitely theme first. Definitely theme, theme first. first. Okay. Yes, the first goal was to make a family friendly game, uh, again that you can easily play with your spouse and children and wherever. And uh, I remember it was Eolus' idea. He said let's make something that will be like educational. So it's very welcome for kids to play. And what about science? Everybody would love to play as Einstein or Tesla or whoever. And yeah. we said, oh yeah, that's, uh, that sounds perfect. That sounds great. So the theme was the very first thing 
And as uh, Vasilis likes to say, uh, the artwork for the scientists, for the inventors, were commissioned before any kind of uh, mechanical design. Yes. Yeah, mm. before any design. Uh, Eolus commissioned the artwork for the inventions, for the inventors. And then we, as we went, uh, as we go, we created the different mechanics that now is the game. Oh, that's amazing. And I imagine the amount of, you would have had to do a lot of research for this, right? Even like, forget yes. the game itself, but like the inventors and who the key inventors were in history and kind of what they invented. Like, how did what you guys go? Through, yeah. How'd you go through that process? For me, it was my favorite part of the game, uh, creating abilities for the inventors that actually had something to do with their life's work or yeah. their life or what, whatever. And studying about them was a very fun process. I thought it wouldn't, but it was a very fun process. We learned a lot. Uh, I don't know if we will remember uh, everything we did by the end of the campaign, but uh, it was very pleasant to learn about all those stuff and putting, I don't know, the ability to translocate a worker uh, for the Wright brothers because they created the airplane. Yeah. And then putting uh, an extra victory point to whoever retires Marie Curie because she actually died from her research. So we honored her by giving one victory point to whoever retires her. All this part of the design was extremely fun for me and very. I was very happy to learn all those stuff that I didn't know before. Yeah, yeah super that cool. Being I, said, go ahead. That being said, it's not like we did like very uh, deep dive into the minutia and the details of everything. So, I mean, we did we did look up some things up, but uh, it's not like we should be considered the source. Like uh, we're just uh, hoping, uh, finding things out, incorporating them into the game. So, so it's just... thematic, but it's not like it's a history book that we're having to play here. Right? Ex exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so your campaign right now is hit about uh, i'm gonna put this in canadian dollars because it's the only way i can see it and of course the numbers are always bigger uh fifty five thousand dollars on a goal of uh, about twenty thousand eight uh seven hundred eighty six backers and you still got 11 days to go man that's you guys gotta be really happy with that definitely <laughs> yeah yeah that's incredible really nice can you and the engagement is nice Oh, a, a huge engagement. Can you walk us through kind of the essence of how to play this game, kind of like kind of the the, the main notes? Uh, yeah, so um, the initial idea was to create an engine building game. So we took uh, some basic elements that uh, we thought should be in the game, like inventors' inventions, and then uh, knowledge in scientific fields like physics, chemistry, engineering, and uh, finally funds and ideas. And we try to create a way for one to give you the other. So you start out with a, with a lab and you can spend your funds to hire inventors, which when you activate on the field, they give you ideas. And with your ideas, you can conceive inventions that in order to put in the field, you have to spend scientific resources. And um, there's a little bit of private engine building with your uh, equipment in the lab and your lab assistant that allow you to get uh, your scientific resources. And uh, that's how the whole loop goes for the game. Uh, super cool. The, um, the player boards are, are awesome. So you've got this kind of gear on, on the actual boards, which is the way I think you keep track of your, your funds. funds. Your funds, right? And, and you yes. call them ideas. I guess ideas are funds in this game? No, no, no. they're two different things. Oh, it's two different things. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's straight up cash then is what that gear is? 
yes, yep. it's okay. cash. Yes, yes. <laughs> ideas is whatever uh, the inventors bring to you when you hire them. Uh, I gotcha. Yeah, it's super cool. And then this board has kind of got these hexagons, and then the hexagons can be either, um, I guess, inventor tiles, um, or they could also be inventions. Is that is that fair? Exactly. 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 It's one part of the one part of the game is economical, and you have to use your resources in the best way possible to create the best outcome. And the other part of the game, the other challenge is about space. Where will you place what, everything you have? Where will you place your inventor? Where you will place your invention? So you can create stuff that will give you also points in the end of the game. So it's those two things that you'll have to master to become good at Age of Inventors. And uh, is asymmetrical? Yes. Definitely. Right. Each, laboratory definitely. Is, each laboratory is a different institution that has contributed to the progress of humanity during the industrial revolution. So you can have uh, inventors working in a university, working in a corporation, working for the government, or people who are uh, privately uh, collaborating in a, in a lab. On yeah. their own. Its player board is uh, double-faced, so you can have the, for example, the good corporation or the evil one that steals ideas for everyone. And <laughs> <That's awesome>. every, <laughs> every, um, every player board opens up new strategies and new possible ways to win for every player. It's, With a uh, custom ability that yeah. uh, is special to each side of the board. Exactly. And then who did the, like, the artwork is, is beautiful. So who, who did the artwork on, like, your box artwork and even your boards? Did you use the same artist? Or sometimes I'll see people use a different one for the boxes than the board. Like, who was who your artist for this? We used a couple. Um, the yeah. inventors and the invention was from uh, a guy Mike. from Cyprus, Mike. Yeah, I can't remember his last name right now. Uh, Katoglu, yes. Thank you. Thank you for Mike Katoglu. And uh, Christo Savaras did all the work on the box and uh, the board and stuff. That's awesome. And how do you how do you win the game? So I was reading somewhere that the game comes to an end if uh, the board fills up, right? So if all those hex spots, uh, you know, fill up in the main board that everybody's playing on. Um, what's another way to kind of trigger the end of this game? Four rounds. If four rounds are played, the game finishes. Four rounds, and then it's done. And this playtime uh, is. Um... Sorry, go ahead. I was I was gonna say that filling everything, every slot, uh, takes a little bit of uh, talent or luck or <laughs> extreme strategy from everyone to actually do. It happens, but it's not that easy to happen. So it's going to be four rounds point. essentially, which is going to trigger the end. Then essentially, pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Yes, yeah. pretty much, yes. And then the winning conditions is based on victory points. Is that kind of how you decide the winner? Yep, exactly. There are plenty of ways to get victory points. There are some tracks where you progress humanity in various fields like academic or industrial. And uh, there is also how many of your inventors were retired and they offered you know, their knowledge to the scientific community. And there's, there are also some experiments where you can try and steal some more points if you're lucky and if you have managed your resources well. Um, but that's pretty much it. And everything are everything is connected uh, when you play. You can think of it as a race where the the tracks progress is uh, public victory points. Everybody can see how much you're scoring, 
but the victory points gained from retiring inventors or uh, doing experiments is uh, secret. So there is a kind of edge till the very last moment. And uh, most of the games we played and play tested had very similar scores. So you don't really know until you finish the game who's going to win. Which is good because I know when I play games, it, it can be sometimes frustrating and I'll throw Katana out there as a perfect example of this. Um, mm-hmm. where people know very early on whether they're cooked or not, right? And nothing yeah. is worse than knowing that you've already lost the game and you're pretty much at the beginning and you got to sit there now for an hour and a half and just uh, grind it out, which is, uh, some people like that, but it can be it can be quite painful <laughs> for some people. It, so, yes. you know, yeah. feeling so like you have a chance, feeling like there's kind of a closeness when you get to the end. Uh, I think that's awesome. Because then you, at least it feels like, you know, that, you know, right up until the end, you know, you, it, it kind of comes down to the final moments as you, as you go along. Yeah. Um, Vanton, so this is, you've done obviously a, a few games. Were you able to be part of the campaigns that these other games did, or were you purely uh, doing uh, design for those other companies? I was part of the campaign. Yes. Uh, in, in all of them, actually in all of them. Uh, nice. until now. And it was a very, it's a very stressful couple of weeks, a very stressful couple of weeks, but yeah. it's a thrill that uh, it, it gets your heart going, your heart going. And I love it. And I, every time it's finished, I'm say, I'm like, Ooh, finally it's finished. Now I can, I can relax, but when it's going to be the next one, I, I can't wait for the next time I'm going to be on Kickstarter. Uh, people are mostly awesome on Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, they share their thoughts about the game. I always love it when I communicate with people and they're saying, oh, I thought of that about your game or I thought about this. And I'm always like, oh, that's awesome. That's a great idea. We'll, we will try to incorporate it. Um, it's, a, it's a very fun process. It's stressful, but it's still very fun. I always ask myself mid-campaign, why do I keep doing this to myself? <laughs> and then I forget about it afterwards because uh, then you want to do another one. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was there any best practices you're able to pull over from some of being part of these other campaigns and now doing your own campaign? Was there any learnings that you had kind of brought from your past experiences into this one? Uh, For, for Kickstarter, unfortunately, I don't think there is a, I've never said that, okay, I'll do that. And that's going to be a good thing. And that's going to give me some positive reward because mm-hmm. every time, every experience feels different. The, the public is different when you change types of games. When, yeah. you're, when you're throwing in a dungeon crawler, you have different people, completely different people. When you're having a worker placement, a Euro game, different people. They like different stuff. They communicate it differently. So still, it for me, is a maze. It's a mystery. I have no idea how to make a good campaign, a good Kickstarter campaign. Uh, all I know is that a good game will uh, be noticed, and a good game, if you talk with your uh, with your with your clients, let's say, with your customers, uh, will give you the feedback you need to do the best you can for that specific project that mm. you're working on. Well said. You've got Big Board Theory uh, connected in with you guys. We've had them on the podcast as well, and uh, mm-hmm. and they're the ones that you know connected us for this uh, this particular episode. How did you guys meet Big Board Theory? I know they're based out of Greece as well, I believe, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And so how did you guys connect? And then how did, you know, what role they play with the company and kind of how's that relationship work? I am and part the- of Big Board Theory. I'm, I'm a part of it. And mm. uh, I know that 
uh, Aeolus, the third designer of our group, uh, or maybe the first designer of our group, met them in Essen. Uh, the last time Essen was, uh, was, was active. And since they met, they always thought that they should work together to do some stuff. And uh, that's how they, how they met, how they met. I met the um, Vasilis and Ioana, Ember and Cyber, who you mm -hmm. had on your show. I met them on a Magic the Gathering meeting on a totally <laughs> separate, awesome. on a little separated way. And after we met and we became like friends or something, then we said, oh, I have to work tomorrow. I have this thing with Big Word Theory. Oh yeah, you too, me too. And that's how we met. Oh, that's cool. And can you, can you see, um, like this kind of expanding into uh, like a broader approach to the market, like tying in the big board theory with uh, Meeple Pug, or do you see those as distinct entities or how will that work going forward with other projects? Uh, I don't know. Hopefully we're going to uh, work forward together. Hopefully. Um, I'm pretty sure Meeple Pug will, um, uh, is very happy with big board theory. And in the next, in their next um, uh, game, they will, prefer them uh but i don't know anything else for the future yeah and i mean one of the things i'd say in terms of best practices carrying forward is clearly your um your page right your kickstarter page itself uh is very visual lots of gifts which are moving very smoothly on my computer at least um which you know to get something that's also sharp and moving with mm -hmm. the size constraints that Kickstarter has. Um, so congrats on that. Cause uh, you know, clearly you've got some good talent behind creating these things, kind of how you've laid it out with your reviewers, tabletop simulator, multiple languages. Um, you know, I think that's become a little formulaic uh, if I could say that with uh, campaigns, I'm starting to see more and more campaigns, the successful ones at the very least have some structure to the campaign page there's main uh, beats that they're, you know, elements that they're hitting uh, on those page. And then you're right. I think from there it gets into, okay, what kind of game is it? You know, how do we build our audience? What kind of engagement do we have when we actually even launched can sometimes impact it as well. Um, what are some of the things you guys have done to build your community around uh, age of inventors? So the community is just getting created. Uh... But uh, in terms of uh, engagement in, in the campaign, uh, there's at least one person at any time uh, answering comments. And uh, we invited everybody to a Discord server. We are engaging with them on different platforms, BoardGame Geek, uh, Kickstarter itself, and uh, Tabletop Simulator. Uh, we're just trying to be uh, active on social media in a constructive way, not just spamming. And, uh, as Madam said, uh, there's a lot of conversation. Like, literally, it's very validating when people uh, take an interest in your game to the point that they would suggest something or just give you an impression. Yeah. And uh, we just uh, like to have this conversation because it's something we took the time to create. People want to say something about it. We are all for it. And uh, pretty much that's how it's been going so far. Yeah, it is. Uh, it. I mean, as a game designer myself, I know... Anytime anybody wants to talk about something I've created, I am all ears and and, and ready to chat, right? Like it's, yeah, exactly. it, it's fun and it brings you a lot of joy, right? To see people interacting with something that you've created. And uh, that's a tough feeling to, to replicate in, in other areas. So uh, I can, I can kind of relate with that for sure. 
what what's next like do you guys have another game you're working on after this one or what's kind of the next steps after uh age of inventors there's a lot going on <laughs> <laughs> we'll see where the ball lands but yeah there's a lot of, there's a lot going on we we have um <laughs> i don't know what we should say and what we shouldn't say there are some things yeah. th that we are working on right now some you will see very soon and i'm pretty sure that you were going to see us with meeple pug uh for something less family friendly definitely oh, really <laughs> okay <laughs> we're creating something less family friendly that's pretty much all we can say and how, yeah. how do you approach that because what you said earlier is you know uh someone who's interested in a euro mm -hmm. uh is maybe has zero interest in a party game for instance right and right when you're building your audience it's not like you can carry that audience over to the next game right if if the genres are different right so right. how how are you guys kind of mapping that out to cre essentially create a new audience for a different genre. Are we doing that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only, uh, we don't. I think the, the, the real answer is we don't. We just hope that if the product, if the design is good, yeah. the people who love that kind of design will yeah. come, will check it out, and then hopefully they'll stay. Yeah, uh, the, only thing we, the only thing we can do is find some mechanics that people love or hate depending on what they uh, what games they prefer for example i take that mechanic is very popular to some and very un unpopular very um, st stigmatized stigmatized is this yep. the correct word oh, yeah. uh, just to some to some others uh, so for example uh, uh, actually that's a, that's a maybe a good point to say about age of inventors age of inventors has some take that element yeah. Uh, there, there is a track, we call it the ingenuity track, and the higher you are there, the more in control you are of the, of the industry, let's say of the industry, of the inventions, of all this. And whenever you do a take that action, it actually says that you can steal this, steal an idea for everyone, from everyone who is below you in that track. Mm. So being high in this uh, track means that you are safe, people will not steal from you because you are highest. Or maybe it means that you are going on the offensive and very fast other people will try to throw you down. Uh, that creates a big edge when you're playing. Every time somebody climbs up, you're like, oh my God, is he going to attack me? Should I protect <laughs> myself? Should I go up? And the other guy says, no, no I just, I'm just being safe. And then all this uh, situation is awesome because it creates a challenge. And it's competitive, but it doesn't create that people are ganking on someone. You cannot gank on someone and just throw all your attacks to one person. Yeah, which which happens sometimes, and sometimes sometimes it's the product um, of uh, I don't know because you lost the last game or something, and people feel bad about it. We just wanted to avoid it and yeah. create a more family friendly way of stealing each other's resources or something. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, meeple pug have like a facebook page or like a group that like you said discord um is there like an actual group they can join as well to follow kind of the news on this as well as maybe some stuff that's uh this yet to come yeah you can find us on facebook and uh, instagram as well instagram and the same for big world theory and uh, we're gonna be there and you can you're gonna hear every news we have and also if anybody's coming in Essen, 
in a couple of weeks we'll also be there oh nice and i think we're gonna be showing some of the stuff that are coming up uh, so uh, yeah, that's another way to catch up. Oh, that's awesome. Well, for anybody that wants to check out this campaign, and I encourage you to do so, uh, it, it looks super cool. Uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes that people can uh, click on to get to the Kickstarter page or go to Kickstarter and just search for Age of Inventors and you'll find it there. Uh, Meeple Pug is the company name. Gentlemen, uh, I just want to wish you all the best on this campaign. Uh, it looks it's like it's doing really, really well so far, and you still got some a lot of runways still to go. So it's gonna be cool to see where this ends up. Thank you so much, James. Thank you. No worries. All the best. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.